week, we started off on part two of this, uh, these messages on the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, kids, you can go. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, I want to continue in that message and basically going through what does the gospels or what do the gospels tell us about the kingdom of heaven? What does it mean to us? And then at the end of this message, I want to bring it down to as practical a level as we possibly can so that the kingdom of heaven isn't some kind of theoretical thing that we say amen to and gives us kind of holy goosebumps, but it's something that we walk out today with the power of understanding the kingdom of heaven and what it means to us today. And so uh, last week, I... uh, Kind of, we started going through several scriptures in the Gospels with this thought in mind that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven throughout history and in modern times is being established here on earth. All right. Yes, the spiritual, the, the kingdom of heaven is a spiritual thing, but it is very much a physical thing as well. And we can't overlook that. We must understand that. In the Old Testament times, God established the kingdom of heaven through a nation and as a nationality, as a kingdom of heaven here on earth through, through, uh, through the nation of Israel. But when Jesus came, the, the paradigm shift shifted and it went from being a national kingdom to a spiritual kingdom, but yet still very much an earthly kingdom. And we need to understand that. That's why Jesus said to, for us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth. Did you hear that? Here on earth as it is in heaven. So when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we're talking about Jesus is king. The reason why we don't think about the kingdom of heaven or talk about the kingdom of heaven is we don't think enough about the king of heaven. When we start thinking of Jesus as king, we will think about his kingdom a lot more often. And we will seek to identify ourselves with the kingdom of heaven. But that's why Jesus said that. I want to establish my kingdom here on earth, so I want you to pray for it. And the reason why I want you to pray for it is so that you can learn that I'm listening to your prayers. Because when you pray, I listen and I act. And so when we talk about the kingdom, we're talking about the king, and we're talking about God's supernatural sovereign will. Your will be done. And when we pray about God's will being done, we're saying, God, you overcome that person's will with your will. God, you overcome that nation's will with your will. You trumpet. Isn't that what prayer is all about? Uh, our prayer is, God, your will overcome the enemy's will, overcome natural will, do something sovereign. That's what, that's what the, uh, the kingdom of heaven is all about. That's what Jesus is all about. And so we saw last week uh, that Jesus' immediate objective was the kingdom of heaven. When he began to minister publicly, what was the first thing that he began to talk about? He said, repent Because the kingdom of heaven is near. Near. And that word near, it's so near you can reach out and touch it. It's so near you're literally in the presence of it. It's so near that it's literally on top of you. It's come upon you. 
The kingdom of heaven has come upon us. And that's what Jesus was proclaiming. He said, I could talk about a million things, but I'm going to talk about my kingdom because it is primary. It's of, of, of supreme importance that these people that I'm talking to know that the kingdom of heaven is near. And so we remember, and I digress just a little bit, that Daniel said, in the time of these kings, in other words, in the time of the earthly kingdoms, God is going to establish his kingdom here on earth, and he's doing it right where we can see it, right here. And we'll talk more about this next week. Right here, we see that the kingdom of heaven is beginning to be established or is being established. What are some of the signs of this kingdom? Well, we saw that in Matthew 4.23, Jesus went through Galilee preaching and teaching their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And what was happening as a result? Healing every disease and every sickness among the people. I'll tell you, when we start seeing miracles, and we see miracles, we see lots of miracles, but when we really start seeing loads of miracles, that's a sign that the kingdom of heaven is being established here on earth. And we see in Matthew 12, 28, uh, but it, if it is, this was Jesus speaking, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of heaven is come upon you. When people begin to be delivered in their minds and their emotions and their, their spirits, they're delivered by the power of God, you can be rest assured that's a sign that the kingdom of heaven is upon us. And then lastly, Matthew 13, 11, Jesus replied, but the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. Let me ask you, when was the last time the Holy Spirit revealed something to you? You were reading the Bible, you were praying, you were going about your business, and the Holy Spirit shined His light of wisdom on you, and you understood something you didn't used to understand. That's a sign of the kingdom. That's a sign that the kingdom is among you, in us even. So then we began to talk, and this is kind of more or less, I believe, where we left off, but the question is, is who can enter into the kingdom? Who can get into the gates of the kingdom and become a part of the kingdom. Are you a part of the kingdom? Are you? And if you say, yeah, I am, how do you know, though? Are you sure you're a part of the kingdom? Because Jesus was very clear of what it took to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And we need to make sure that we can enter it. And I want to tell you right now, don't be distracted by worries. Don't be distracted by distractions. I want you to focus in right now, all right? Don't think about yourselves. Everybody, take your mind off yourself, off your problem right now, and listen to what the Word of God has to say. Is everybody with me? All right, here it goes. Mark 10, 15, Jesus went through many things that he said of what it takes to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Mark 10, 15 was one of them. He said, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of heaven like a child will never enter into it. Anyone who won't receive it like a child will not enter into it. Well, what on earth was Jesus talking about? I've heard many different interpretations and thoughts of what it means to have childlike faith so that you can enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, just to expound a little bit, in Mark 10, so we read Mark 10, 15. Let me read you the couple of verses before Mark 10, 15 and kind of read it in context so maybe we can begin to understand it a little bit better. 
people were bringing little children to Jesus, little children like little Becca or, or uh, Cole. Well, he's not little. <laughs> he was, they were bringing little ones. Aren't those little ones so cute? They're just little human beings walking around. They have a mouth. You know, they have a mouth. All right? They're little humans, and they're, they're, but these little ones were coming to Jesus. Isn't it something that Jesus attracted little ones? To me, it's always a telltale sign when kids come to an adult. There's something that that adult is doing right. There's something that adult is doing right. So these children would come to Jesus, and Jesus was placing his hands on them. But listen to what these goofy disciples were. They're like all the rest of the adults in the world that have forgotten what it was like to be a child. Have you forgotten what it's like to be a child? We shouldn't. We should not forget the wonders of being a child, even being a little bit immature sometimes. All right? It's good to not forget what it's like to be a child. So these disciples had forgotten what it was like to be a child. They were shooing away the children. Because really in that, in that culture, children were the lowest of the low. All right. They ate last. They were seated last. They were not focused on as we often do in our culture. They were, they were pushed to the side. And so the disciples were following that cultural approach of pushing them aside. And Jesus saw it. He got indignant. He became indignant. That means upset, irritated, frustrated. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. Why? For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Let me tell you what, we better, we better figure this thing out or else we can't get into the kingdom of heaven. It's that serious. All right? Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of heaven like a little child will never enter into it. He took the children into his arms and placed, them on, placed his hands on them and blessed them. Did you know you can do that as a born-again believer? You can put your hand on somebody's shoulder. All right, I'm going to do it on Sarah since she's my daughter. You can put your hand on somebody's shoulder and say, Jesus, just bless Sarah right now. Bless her right now. You can speak blessing over because God has blessed you. You can be that conduit, that that vehicle through which the blessing of God flows. And Jesus did that as an example for us. Put your hand on somebody and bless them. I will, I always, I'm going to get my pet peeve out of the way just real quick. When you're praying for somebody, don't do this though. Okay. Don't shake. And that doesn't help. That's not spiritual. That's, that's not going to help anybody. Calmly place your hand on somebody and just pray for them. Don't push them. (laughs) Don't shake them, but just But give them, you can be a blessing to somebody. You can pray blessings over somebody, and that's exactly what Jesus did. It still doesn't give us a true understanding, though, of what it means to be like a child in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So if you look at Matthew 18, 1, verses 1 through 5, Jesus gives in the story, the scriptures give us a little bit more description of what what is meant here? So in Matthew 18, 1, it says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus asking, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? All right, we're not just talking about getting in, but once I get in now, I want to be at the top of the heap. <laughs> he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change, 
unless you change. We were praying here before church, and Linda was praying in the Spirit, and she said, God, help us to repent. You know what? To, to change is to repent. It's to say, I don't want to be that person anymore. I want to be the person that you've called me. He said, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He said it there again. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, is one who can enter into the kingdom of heaven. Take the lowly position of a child... And whoever welcomes one, such as a child in my name, welcomes me. Let me tell you what, a while back, I've mentioned this before, I went through some changing times in my job. And my job, not my, my, my position, was taken away from me. All right? And the Holy Spirit at that time, I was nervous. You'd be nervous to take. Put yourself in my shoes. All right? You're, you have a job and your position is taken away from you with no promise of anything. How would you feel? All right, can you identify with me now? All right, so that's where I'm at. And the Holy Spirit whispers into my ear one day in a late November, late December, about two years ago, be humble and serve. That was the marching orders from the Lord. And I said, yes, God, with a smile, I will be humble and I'll serve. I'll take the lowly position of a child. Can you do that? Can you be humble and serve? Can you, t- you won't get into the kingdom of heaven unless you take the lowly position of a child. Jesus didn't mince his words. He wasn't just saying, oh, it's a, maybe you do it. No, you have to do this to get into the, the kingdom of heaven. This is voiced also in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 3, where he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When are we going to get off of our high horse and stop being egotistical and saying, even if they've done me wrong, I'm going to put them first? When are we going to start doing that? To enter the kingdom of heaven, we must take this attitude of lowliness, of being poor in spirit, of saying, I'm not the best. I'm not the greatest. I don't always have to prove myself as better than someone else. I'm going to be poor in spirit. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be lowly like a child. And then in Matthew 6, it tells us, you know, seek first the kingdom of heaven. So in order to get into the kingdom of heaven, in order to enter it, you've got to be seeking it. What does it mean to seek the kingdom of heaven? Aim for it. Aim for it. And anything you're aiming for, you're paying attention to constantly. It's a goal. It's a priority. It's your highest thing that you think is important and you're going for it you're aiming for it because you're seeking it that's what it takes to to, to enter into the kingdom of heaven and then i love in mark 1543 uh mark 1543 i always have to think did i say what i meant to say because i'm i always throw out scriptures and i find out i said differently what was in my mind. So Mark 15, 43, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, and might I add a wealthy, influential man, because we're going to talk about this in a second. Guess what? He was himself waiting for the kingdom of God and went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus's body. He was waiting, he was aiming, he was seeking for the kingdom of heaven. It meant everything to him, enough to put his prominence to the side and say, I want to go find the body of him who you've just crucified. 
Do you know how, how risky that was for this man to do that? Why would he do that? Because he was aiming for the kingdom of heaven. Are you aiming for the kingdom of heaven? Are you willing to risk something for God and say, I want the kingdom of heaven? It takes that in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Super important. So how do you enter into the kingdom of heaven while you're alive here on earth? (laughs) We have such a short period of time. Has it ever dawned on any of us? This life is so short. I guarantee you, my kids, it's not dawned on them yet. All right, But you get into your 30s, 40s, 50s, and I'm sure as you get beyond that, life gets shorter and shorter, and you realize, oh my word, I better take advantage of what I need to do in this lifetime. So what does it take while I'm alive here on earth? I was going to, uh, to lunch with some guys from work, none of them believers, maybe one possibly believer. We're all, we were all in our 40s, All right, so this is a while back. And I just threw it out there. I said, hey, have you guys ever thought about this? We're halfway through our life, if we're lucky. And none of them thought that was a very funny statement. Nobody had thought of that before, which was shocking to me. I'll tell you what, as Christians, we realize more the shortness of life, I believe, than those who are non-believers, because our hope is beyond this life. But how do you enter into this kingdom while we're still alive here on earth? Matthew 5.20. It says, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you certainly will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. If your righteousness doesn't surpass those of who are religious, you will certainly not enter into the... Religiosity will not get you into the kingdom of heaven Period. Period. I had a a boss who was uh, not a believer. He said, you know what, Steve? He always used to get waxed philosophical. He said, Steve, religion's a good thing. I believe religion's a good thing. It makes people do good things. I thought, you idiot. (laughs) Religion does horrible things to people. And it turns them completely away from the God that they should be seeking. Because they're working to earn something that they can never earn. Religion's horrible, and Jesus said it. You can't get into the kingdom of heaven if you're a religious person. You can't get in there. It takes relationship, not religion. Matthew 21, 31, Jesus said to them, I tell you that the tax collectors and the prostitutes, and might I add the inmates and their broken families and the person who's done a lot of wrong things in their life are entering into the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. Meaning, you're not getting in, but they are. What does that tell us? We really bad people can be saved by a really good God. And if we will accept that salvation, we can enter into the kingdom of heaven with confidence. Matthew 21, 43, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, religious people, and given to people who produce fruit. So what does it take to enter into the kingdom of heaven? You must produce fruit. John the Baptist radically said, the axe is at the root of every tree waiting for fruit to be produced. And I challenge you today, what's the last bit of fruit you've produced? 
What's the last bit of fruit you've produced? And I'm not just talking about maybe win, winning something, somebody to Jesus or seeing your family mature. I'm just talking about the fruits of the Spirit. When was the last time that love was produced in and out and through you? When was the last time that self-control came up from you? I'll tell you what, we must produce fruit. And we recently re- understood that in order to produce fruit, we've got to get past our hard-heartedness, our selfishness. Our self-focus all the time. Remember the hard ground that had to be broken up in order to become good ground? And then those rocks of sin need to be pulled out of our lives in order to be produce fruit. And then this love for the world. My word, we think it's so glitzy and glamorous to have a career or education or lots of money or, or a position or a title. That's nothing. That's nothing. Jesus said that kind of stuff counts for nothing. It's worthless. Paul said, I count it as refuse. I count it as trash, all the things of this world. In order to be fruitful, we've got to get past self, got to get past sin, and got to get past this affection for the world. If we're not fruitful, it's those things that are holding us back. But in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must produce fruit. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Do you know God's will? (laughs) How can you do God's will if you don't know what God's will is? You've got to get into the word and find out, what God, what is your will? If you want to know God's will, you can find it out. But don't go around saying, I'm not sure what God's will is. Figure it out. (laughs) Do what you got to do to figure out the will of God. The Bible says, find out what pleases God. All right? Go figure it out. Aim at seeking the kingdom of heaven, and you'll discover all kinds of things surrounding God's will. Matthew 11, 12, it says, In the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. And Jesus, this could have been just months. This, what, this makes it sound like the days of John the Baptist, like, you know, 200 years ago. No, this was probably less than a year ago when Jesus made this statement. He said, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault and violent men seize hold of it by force. And in the Amplified Version, expands that and says, as a precious gift, as a share of the heavenly kingdom is sought by the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. All right? If you're going to go after the kingdom of heaven, you do it with all your heart. You go hard. You go hard. You don't stop. You don't pull back. You're in it for your life. You're in it for your life. It's either you or the devil. And so violent men take hold of the kingdom of heaven. Violent women take hold of the kingdom of heaven and say, nothing is going to stop me from entering into the kingdom of heaven. I'm going with all my heart. That's why God said, or that's why, uh, let's see, was it Jeremiah said, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. Are you half-hearted today? Am I half-hearted today? Come on, guys. Go for it with all your heart. Go for it with all your heart. John 3, 3. We're, again, we're talking about how do you enter into the kingdom of heaven? Well, we enter it by producing fruit, by doing the will of God, by being zealous and intense. 
But it says in 19, uh, I skipped a verse, sorry, Matthew 19.24. Go to that one first. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> and we'll spend a little bit more time on that down the road. But you know what? You can't hold on to earthly things and hold on to Jesus at the same time. You just can't do it. It's impossible. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You'll either love one, despise the other, or love this one and despise that one. You can't serve both God and money. Man. All right? So to get into the kingdom of God, you got to be like that monkey that's in that crazy thing where he reaches into the trap takes hold of whatever's in there and then can't get out, but he won't let go. That's how we goobers are. <laughs> we're, we're silly. We won't let go, but if we would let go, we'd be free. Amen? All right, so it's tough for the rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's tough for the famous to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's tough for the beautiful and the handsome to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's tough for the powerful to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they're holding on to that thing, whatever it is. Now, John 3, 3, and verse 5 as well. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God. Not even see it unless you're born again. Born again. What does that mean in verse 5? Jesus answered, very, verily I tell you, no one can enter into the kingdom of heaven unless he's born of water and born of the Spirit. See, when we come to God... God who says, God says, I am spirit. When we come to God, we come to the spirit of God and we say, God, give me new life in here. Help me to be born in my spirit. I'm born alive. I can feel, I can touch, I can look at myself in the mirror, but I want to be born afresh in my spirit. And God says here, I'm going to make you alive. I'm going to give you eternal life in your life. And you're born of the flesh and you're born of the Spirit. You can't see the kingdom of heaven. You can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. You know what? God's heavenly kingdom is not your only alternative, though. It's, you're okay. There's, there's two kingdoms you can be a part of. All right? Satan has a kingdom as well. <laughs> he has a kingdom as well. And, and it's referred to, I believe, in Colossians 1, maybe 3 or 3, 1. Excuse me? 113, I was close, my dyslexia, all right? 113, it speaks of the dominion of darkness, the dominion of darkness. And that dominion of darkness takes all kinds of different forms. There's some very good people that subscribe to the kingdom of darkness. They're there by choice, they're good people, but they won't see the kingdom of heaven, all right? And there's some very bad people there as well. But the kingdom of self is the kingdom of darkness. It's where you put self on the pedestal and you want to be worshipped in some form or fashion. So you can, you, can, you can walk out of the kingdom of heaven and take that alternate route if you want to. But there's only two kingdoms here on earth. And the Bible refers to Satan as the god of this world. He's a, he's a powerhouse. He's very convincing. Lucifer, uh, he he's kind of disguises himself as an angel of light. And if you're not careful, you can be deceived by him. So choose wisely. <laughs> do what you need to do to get into the kingdom of heaven. Someday, 
I pray, man, that nobody in, in, with us, within the reach of my voice thinks back on this sermon and says, oh, I can't believe I didn't do what I needed to do. I pray that there's nobody in this room that that happens to. That would be so devastating for you to have this opportunity to see what's required and not do what's necessary. But God's heavenly kingdom is not your only alternative. Now, those who persist as disciples of the kingdom will have the authority of the kingdom. Did you know that? If you persist as a disciple of the kingdom of heaven, in other words, you aim for it, you're seeking it, you're following the kingdom of heaven, you're following the king of the kingdom of heaven, you will be given the authority of the kingdom of heaven. Did you know that? You don't have to be putting up with your depression anymore. You don't have to put up with negative thought, thoughts anymore, distracting thoughts, worry. You can take authority over them in the name of Jesus. All right? Because you are part, you've entered into the kingdom of heaven. I love this. In Luke twenty two twenty nine, Jesus said to his disciples, to those following him, he said, I confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me. What does that mean, I confer it? I give it to you. I give it to you. Here's the kingdom. And he went on to describe that in even more detail in Matthew 16, 19, and 20. He said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. You can bind whatever you want to, and you can loose whatever you want to. Because I confer the kingdom of heaven. That's been ringing in my mind, ringing in my mind. Steve, I confer to you the kingdom of heaven with its authority. With its authority. Stop being a victim as a disciple of Jesus and start being a victor. And start fighting the spiritual battles with spiritual weapons, and see if things don't start turn, turning around for you. love it in Jeremiah 1, 9 and 10. God was basically tearing, telling Jeremiah the same thing. So then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I've put my words in your mouth. What words? Words of authority. Words of authority. You say, well, where did you get that from? Well, from the next verse. See, today I point you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. I'll tell you what he was saying. I trust you, Jeremiah. You're my disciple. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to confer the, king, the kingdom authority to you to do what I tell you to do. What does the kingdom of heaven look like? Well, in Luke Nine, and I won't read it all, but Jesus says to his disciples, some of you standing here are not going to taste death until you see, literally, see the kingdom of heaven. And just days later, he's up on the Mount of Transfiguration, as we call it, there with his three disciples. Who were these three disciples? The ones that followed him everywhere. Were they perfect? No, they did dumb things just like you and me. But they made it an aim to seek the king, and they were with him everywhere he went. Just like Elisha was with Elijah. He wouldn't let him go because he wanted a double portion. Is that you? Do you want a double portion of God, or do you want just one portion of God? I want want it all. I want it all. And so these three, uh, the three amigos, all right, they're following Jesus up that mountain. And what happens? Jesus has a kingdom experience, a visible kingdom experience where he's transfigured into what he will be like in heaven. 
glistening like the sun, white, his clothes white, his face shining, the glory of God surrounding him, and a voice from heaven saying, this is my son, right? Am I getting that right? This is my son, whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And there appears with him Moses and Elijah. This is, he said, you're not going to pass away until you see the kingdom of heaven, and then this happens. I'm telling you what, if we get close to God, we'll start seeing his glory. We will start seeing his glory. You will start seeing his glory. I was praying for somebody once, and I put my hand on them, and the Lord just spoke to me. They're going to see heaven before they go to heaven. (laughs) Praise God. That could be you. That could be you. So that's what the kingdom of heaven looks like. What is the reality of entering and staying in the kingdom of heaven? Well, it's tough. (laughs) It's tough. Don't think being in the kingdom of heaven is, is just an easy road. Yes, his burdens, uh, you know, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but life is tough for a kingdom person. <laughs> life is tough. Why? You get persecuted. Have you ever been persecuted before? Yeah? Yeah. And if you haven't been persecuted by a person, you get persecuted by the enemy himself. And I've seen that in my very own family. Yeah, these kids are homeschooled, but you know what? The devil himself has come to destroy them in some cases. It's been unbelievable, the persecution that some of some our group, and I know the Bencomo group, our kids go through it. But it's worth it to stay in the kingdom of heaven. That's the reality. In Mark 10, 23, Jesus looks around and says to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. The disciples were amazed by his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. And he didn't say for the rich there. He was saying for everybody. How hard. The the way is narrow. The way to, to destruction is broad, and many go through it. But the way to the kingdom of heaven is narrow, and few find it. But he goes on, he says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And there was some historic things there that I won't go into. But we, we view it as like a needle and an eye of a camel. And yeah, that's hard. <laughs> but look at this. The disciples were amazed and they said to each other, who then can be saved? They got it. They understood that this was a tough road to follow. Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. God saves us. We don't save ourselves. You get that? God saves you. And and furthermore, well, I'll read on just a couple more verses. It says, uh, Peter spoke up and says, we've left everything to follow you. And he was serious. He left everything everything to follow Jesus. And I've asked myself this before. If Jesus were to show up in person as he did back then, would I follow him the way those disciples followed him? I wonder. I wonder if I would. And you should ask yourself the same question. Would I follow Jesus the way the 12 disciples followed Jesus? Truly, Jesus said, no one who has left home and brothers and sisters and mother, and father, and children, and feels for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, feels along with persecutions. (laughs) 
Let me tell you what. We as Christians, we as kingdom folks, we have a lot of blessing, but we have persecutions that comes with it as well. And to think that we're not going to have persecution, I would be lying to you. I would be lying to you if I preach some kind of prosperity gospel. You're going to have a good life. Everything's going to work out. No, we're going to have challenges. But you know what? Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Many are the troubles of the righteous, but I'm going to deliver you from them all. But you know what? You're going to go through it. I'm going to go through it. But you know what? Our aim is the kingdom of heaven. And we're like one of those football players looking for that gap, looking for that seam. We're busting through it in the name of Jesus. We're going to get through this in the name of Jesus. And so Jesus said, I love this, Luke 12, 32. You want to memorize this. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. He's pleased to give it to Conrad, to Lisa, to HM, to Robert. He's pleased to say, here, I just give you the kingdom of heaven. Now, you got to do your part. You're not going to earn it. But there's some tough pushing through you got to get through to get there. But I give you the kingdom. It's, it's a pleasure to give you the kingdom of heaven. You're my children. And I love you with all my heart. So I want to just end with this. The kingdom of heaven is all about God's sovereignty. Sovereignty. He reigns, all right? And we are to pre- precipitate the kingdom of heaven. We're to establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth. We're to precipitate it, meaning that we're to advance the kingdom of heaven. We're to ensure that it happens because we're God's children. We're, we're kingdom people, and we're going to establish God's kingdom. So we're going to precipitate the kingdom of heaven. And in your experience sheet, you got five stories this week of five people who precipitated the kingdom of heaven, and you can see how they did it. I love how Hannah did it with Samuel. She precipitated God's sovereignty, and God said, all right, you did these four things, because there's four things she did in Samuel 1.1. If you read them, four things. You did these four things, I'm going to establish my sovereignty in your situation. Boom, and he did it, and she had a child, and it didn't stop there. God's sovereignty moved in because Hannah did four things. That's on Monday, and you can read about... uh, I don't have my sheet up here with me. You can read about four other people. Godly people, thank you. <laughs> you can read about Samuel himself. As he became an older man, he precipitated the sovereignty of God in his situation. Paul and Silas precipitated God's kingdom by doing something. And you can read that story. You can read how Noah precipitated the sovereignty of God in his day and age as did Ezra, and you can read all of these Monday through Friday. I encourage you to read them all. Everyone did something different, and you can establish the kingdom of heaven this week in your situation. This week you can do it. You can do it. I'll give you just a couple of examples. There was a man that I knew a long time ago. Some of you know me, and you're going to think, oh, I know what he's talking about. You have no idea what I'm talking about, all right? There's a man, a pastor, who was driving his church into the ground. And I was watching it happen a long time ago, driving his church right into the ground. And I prayed. I said, God, what's going on here? And God's sovereign voice came to me and said, he's not going to do it. I'm not going to let him do it. And God didn't do it. 
or that man didn't do it. God did not allow that church to be driven into the ground by that pastor. Amazing. God sovereignly said, it's not going to happen, period, end of story. I listened to God's voice, I believed God, and it did not happen. That's the kingdom of heaven. Let me give you another example. There was a man that I knew, a friend actually, that I knew that was Christian, but he had a vice. You know what a vice is? He, had a, he did something that was really bad over and over and over again. And I prayed for my friend, and God's sovereign voice came to him and said, I'm not going to let him destroy himself. And God didn't let him destroy himself. That's the kingdom of heaven. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And when God says something, you better believe it. It's going to happen. It's sovereignty. I used to, I've said this many times, but I used to have this phobia that I was going to be a, have, go through divorce. Me and my wife have a wonderful marriage. There's always this nagging voice. Do you ever have these nagging threats? You're going to get divorced. You're going to get divorced. You're going to, just over and over and over again. And one day I was praying. And God said, you're never going to get divorced. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? God's kingdom comes in with a solid promise that you can take to the bank and say, it's not going to happen because God's kingdom just proclaimed it, just declared it. I'll give you another, just a final example. There's this young man that came into our youth group at another church. His, he, I'd never seen him before, never met him before. His lungs were 60% frozen. And he, he gave this in youth group. He said, my, my lungs, the doctor says my, my lungs are 60% frozen and there's a 90% chance that I won't survive. 90% chance that I won't survive. And he was sitting on the same row with me and I kind of looked over at him. And right then the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear, what if I say there's a 100% chance he's going to be healed? <laughs> I didn't conjure that up. I just, that's what the Lord told me. Four to six weeks later, that guy showed back up at church. He'd been in California at a healing service, and God had completely and totally healed him. All right, so when I talk about the kingdom of heaven being established, that's what I'm talking about. What, God, what has God promised you that you need to say, God, I declare this because you have declared it to me. This is the kingdom of heaven, all right? So we must precipitate the sovereign rule of God by believing what he tells us. Believing what he tells us. Let's 